everyone, and welcome back to We Are Not Too Young. First off, I just really want to thank you all for the support on the last episode. Some of you reached out to me and said how much the episode spoke to you, and it was really encouraging to hear that. So I just want to encourage you all and to help you remember that you're not alone, that there are others who feel the loss that comes with being faithful, with staying true to the truth. Try and find those people around you who are going through the same things so you can encourage and support each other. Christian community is ultimately what will keep you afloat in this sinking world. So keep up the good fight, guys, and just remember that Christ will give you strength. So today's episode is a pretty big one, and I suspect I'll be making more episodes about this topic at some point because of how relevant it has become. Um, But it's those two words you all know but don't love, cancel culture. I'm going to start off talking about what cancel culture is and some current events, and then I'll circle to what we can do in order to fight against the problems. First, we need to clarify what cancel culture actually is. Constant C.R. White, a writer for The Purist, says, quote, canceling is the mass act of cutting off support for a person or brand to punish them for hurtful or offensive behavior. Think of it like a swift and impassioned boycott, end quote. I think that this definition is far too tame. We must understand that our modern cancel culture is no silent boycott. Cancel culture is like a hyperactive rage machine. It is quick to condemn and slow to forgive. It doesn't fact check. It doesn't make sure someone is really guilty before plastering their alleged crimes all over Twitter. Zoe Thomas, a writer for BBC News, gives a definition that is much less sterile than the one for Miss White, saying, quote, For those at the receiving end of cancel culture, the consequence can lead to a loss of reputation and income that can be hard to recover from. Critics of cancel culture say that it is the equivalent of letting an angry mob decide a person's fate. And I wholeheartedly agree. I want to dive a bit deeper into the inner workings and the examples of cancel culture so that I might show you how inherently flawed it is. The first thing we must understand is that no one, and I mean not a single person, corporation, or even object, is protected from cancel culture. Cancel culture does not discriminate, not based on age or gender or political affiliation or religion. And I want to give examples of figures from all different backgrounds in order to show you this. So first, let's talk about the notorious RBG. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, one of the United States Supreme Court justices, passed away this fall. On September 19th, 2020, Joan Biskupic wrote this of Justice Ginsburg in an article for CNN. Quote, today we mourn, but with confidence that future generations will remember Ruth Bader Ginsburg as we know her a tireless and resolute champion of justice, end quote. Only a day later, on September 20th, 2020, Jennifer Schusler wrote this in an article in the New York Times, quote, others re-upped longstanding critiques of RGB mania, and perhaps even of the judge herself, as reflecting a myopic feminism, end quote. Now, I don't know if you guys caught what they're saying here, but basically one day they were praising her for her work in feminism and the very next they called her too white of a feminist. It took a single day for cancel culture to cast a shadow on RBG. 
She wasn't even in the ground, and people were already trampling her. Like I said before, cancel culture does not discriminate. So let's look to the other side of the political aisle. I'm sure most of you listening have heard of Gina Carano's brawl with cancel culture. In February, Carano was canceled for a social media comment comparing our political climate to Nazi Germany. Some people were outraged and began to criticize her on social media. And her reputation massively suffered. In this mass call for accountability, the hashtag FireGinaCarano began to circulate on social media. The mob would only be satisfied with Carano's punishment. And this rage worked. Carano was eventually fired from her role in Disney's Mandalorian. In an interview following the event, Carano pointed out that her co-star, Pedro Pasca, had made a similar comment in 2018 where he compared detained undocumented children with Jewish concentration camps. But unfortunately for Carano, that didn't matter. Cancel culture decided that she was in the hot seat and not Pasca. Cancel culture is not predictable and it is not fair. I want to bring in a few more examples to really drive home the point that cancel culture is a threat to anyone and everyone. Let's look at Amy Coney Barrett. Justice Barrett was canceled during her 2020 nomination to the Supreme Court due to her religious affiliation. It all started in 2017. During Justice Barrett's 2017 hearings, Senator Dianne Feinstein says, Why is it that so many of us on this side have this very uncomfortable feeling that dogma and law are two different things, and I think whatever a religion is, it has its own dogma. The law is totally different, and I think in your case, Professor, when you read your speeches, the conclusion one draws is that the dogma lives loudly within you, and that's of concern. For simply holding personal convictions, she became a social pariah under the thumb of cancel culture. And a notable example opposite to Barrett in political affiliation is Pete Buttigieg. Mayor Buttigieg was the first openly gay presidential candidate. He was praised for the history he was creating for the LGBTQ community. But the cancel culture we have today is never satisfied. During his campaign, members of the LGBTQ community wrote an open letter called Queers Against Pete, in which they criticized him harshly and say, Mayor Pete is leaning on the support and actively courting the LGBTQ2IA community, but has shown time and time again that he is out of touch, not fit to be president of the United States, and simply falls short. In this letter, they expressed that they didn't find Mayor Buttigieg to be gay enough to represent them. Let me repeat myself. Mayor Buttigieg was not gay enough. Really think about that. What sense can it make? When is gay gay enough? When will feminism be feminist enough? When is religion too religious? And most recently, Dr. Seuss has fallen victim to cancel culture, with many of his books being pulled from the shelves. Other corporations and brands like Mr. Potato Head, Aunt Jemima, and Goya have been canceled as well. And I think it's so often our belief that the left uses cancel culture against the right, or the right is using cancel culture against the left. But the bottom line is that both sides are suffering. Pete Buttigieg for not being gay enough, Justice Ginsburg for being too white, Amy Coney Barrett for being too religious. There is no extreme that cancel culture will not go to. In this present state, one cannot even hold convictions under cancel culture's rule. 
It seems that no matter what one does or who one is or what one represents, anyone can be canceled. This was evident in the stories of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Pete Buttigieg, and Amy Coney Barrett. One is too white for feminism, another isn't gay enough, and the last is too religious. One might call cancel culture our nation's new favorite sport. Who will be the next target? Now, let's talk for a minute about why it isn't predictable, because it's very important. Callouts are being performed every day, but the standard for correctness is always changing. And maybe it's just me, but do you ever feel like you really can't be caught up enough to keep up with cancel culture? I mean, we wake up every day to new rules and new terms and new rights and new wrongs. There's always something else you shouldn't say or shouldn't support or shouldn't promote. If cancel culture doesn't have a reliable standard for right and wrong, can it really know what is right and wrong? And that is exactly the point. We continue to support a justice system that we'll never be able to keep up with and that will never be fair. Cancel culture isn't activism. And President Obama talked about this in his 2019 Foundation Summit. He said, quote, if I tweet or hashtag about how you didn't do something right or use the wrong word or verb, then I can sit back and feel pretty good about myself because, man, you see how woke I was? I called you out. That's not activism, end quote. As much as cancel culture seeks to make the world better, it seeks to ruin lives and silence voices. Cancel culture is not revolutionary in the form it currently takes. It needs a lot of repairs and changes before it can be used for true good. Ultimately, it can either be used to create a culture of positive change or be used to further divide this world into angry camps with no hope of reconciliation. Our society needs to decide how it can actively reform this tool that it has allowed to become so prevalent. This reformation will require the culture of cancellation to be more thoughtful and to pursue a less destructive path actively. I want to go over a few applications before we close. First, I want to show why a culture of cancellation just doesn't work in a Christian worldview. Grace and forgiveness are crucial tenets of Christianity. When a person makes a mistake, Christians should desire their confession and their redemption rather than their condemnation and destruction. The form that cancel culture takes today is not compatible with Christian doctrine. Dr. Albert Moeller hosts a podcast called The Daily Briefing, which I highly recommend to any of you. But in his podcast, he says, quote, Christians must be first in line to say that there is never an excuse for inciting violence through social media or any other form of media, end quote. The first thing we can do as Christians living in a culture of cancellation is to be quicker to hear than to accuse. So secondly, we need to practice active thinking. I know that I'm super guilty of wanting to believe the first thing that pops up on my For You page or on my newsfeed or on my Instagram. Why? Well, because it's just easier to believe without fact-checking and because we're gullible. Because it's so fun to see drama and to get mad. And a lot of people who spread false rumors are honestly just bored and want to get in on the action. And this is the important part. They want to have a purpose. See, humans were created to live for a purpose, and as Christians, we know what that purpose really is, and we know the only purpose that will satisfy us, 
that will fulfill us to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But many others don't have that. And for our generation, that purpose that they look for usually becomes some sort of activism that they find in canceling people. So I can't stress enough how important it is to think for yourself because information and allegations can spread in an instant on the internet. It leaves very little time to fact check. And so finally, and this may be the most important, we need to listen to each other. So often we surround ourselves with only the people who affirm our current opinions, who drive us further into a one-sided mindset. We create echo chambers of the same ideas in our social media pages, in our news sources, and the people that we choose to listen to. We could make so much progress if we could put our pride to the side for one second and simply listen to each other. Before I close, I want to mention that if you have any requests for topics or any questions that I can address in the beginning of the next episode, please feel free to message me on Instagram or Facebook. Acts 5.41 says, So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer for his name. Romans 8.16-18 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that has been revealed to us. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So why do I bring up these verses? Well, newsflash guys, the biggest cancellation our world ever doled out was to Jesus Christ. Jesus was canceled. And you know what? He promised us that we would be too. So don't let the fear of being canceled or the fear of being rejected make you afraid to use your voice for Christ, to oppose what you know to be untrue. If we endure, we will reign with him. So take heart, everyone, and don't let this present culture leave you without hope. We have immense hope, hope that doesn't depend on the state of the world. And how wonderful it is to live, knowing that this is not all we will ever know. We were made for another world, and one day we'll get to see it. This world will try to sink us. It is our hope, our hope that Christ will sustain and strengthen us until our very last breath that will keep us afloat. And remember, neither you nor I are too young to be used. We are not too young to use our voice. Be bold, have faith, listen well, and love selflessly. I'll see you next week on We Are Not Too Young. Peace be with you.